Welcome, everybody, to episode 16 of Ultra Pro Max, the podcast where we talk about app development and the Apple ecosystem. Big day for some of us here. I I don't actually, that just felt like the, <laughs> just felt like the default intro. I didn't know where I was going. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll just dive straight into the topic. Lucas ChatGPT starts a sentence and we'll see where it goes. That, that, that's how we all work. <laughs> that's exactly how I feel. I just had ChatGPT write me a whole Python script the other day and I'm stoked out of my mind. It was the simplest thing. I just need, I had a list of codes I wanted turned into barcodes. And I said, turn these all into barcodes, stick them all in a PDF. Bam, it was done. Oh, so nice. Anyways, I digress. Sadia's new releases. That's what it is a big day. It's a big day for Sadia. He's got his new release coming out. Well, let's jump back to pre-show really quickly. Sadia's got another release. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what we were sharing on air. No, it's okay. It's hard. I I feel for you as as the announcer, Luke, because I don't even know how to intro this. Yeah, me neither. We didn't record on time this week because... I had a baby boy. He was born at home at 11 p.m. on the other night, on Wednesday night. And everything went really well. And now we suddenly have a seven-person family. Wow. It's weird, you know, like having a baby and then, you know, your wife's pregnant for whatever, and 40 weeks. And then all of a sudden, there's another person in the room with you. And it is just a bizarre, bizarre moment. And even the fifth time around it is a bit inexplicable mm. oh hey there's another person here look at that wow how old's your oldest kid 12 12 512 that's that's amazing congratulations i was gonna heckle you for postponing our show but i think you have a very good reason for not having been here at the start of the week so i'm i'm happy that everyone is healthy and doing well i thought it was so interesting well, if we want to relate well, Sadia we was like, this. I hate Zoom. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, Sadia was, he was saying, Josh, you're going to, don't be upset at me. You're going to be super stoked when you find out why I'm canceling. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> we can relate it back to all of the Apple stuff that we normally talk about because where we were at home, we were just in the dining room and we had a birth pool set up and it was great because I've got the whole home decked out with, you know, it's all home kit, right? And... So the midwife comes in and she's like, oh, right, okay. So we need to cool this space down a little bit. It's a bit warm in here. And so like, you know, hey, you know who put the fans on? And the fans come on and, oh, let's. Talia wants to make it a bit darker. So she's there with her Apple Watch and she turns the lights down. (laughs) And then later on, you know, the the light again, it, it needed to change to like more of an orange light. And so we could do that. And everything just worked. I mean, to be fair, the HomeKit stuff in our home pretty rarely actually works. But in this case, turn on the outside lights, turn off the kitchen lights. We did it all, like, all throughout the whole birth, and it all it all worked really well. And we got our birth photos back from the photographer. That's a thing that, that not everybody does, apparently, but we've always done it. And it looked like an Apple Watch commercial, I'm telling you, man, because <laughs> it's got like Talia and I, they're holding hands, you know, like close-ups, and we've both got the Apple Watch on. And it was great. It was a great experience. And it was full of Apple technology. There you go. Man, when I Apple needs to deliver, it delivers. I was going to ask you how how you make your home get work, because ours is so buggy. But man, when it counts, oh yeah, Apple's there. This is an Apple promo. Please sponsor us. <laughs> So, well, congratulations. That's so exciting. Much less exciting, your software that you've been working on for the last months and months and months and months, you know, no big deal compared to childbirth. But how's that coming? I actually had two releases in the App Store this 
this last week. Whoa. Uh, and so that was that was exciting. So we've been working on Amber Hour for at least six months, maybe more than that. And that was approved for the App Store. Still not quite approved for Google Play. Still need to make some changes there. But And, and even then, like I've already found bugs or whatever. So we've soft launched that in Australia, Amber Hour. Uh, and that's all very exciting. Having a launch party for that in Brisbane the day after Australia Day, which I actually don't know when that is. And also, I had this idea. You know, I told you about it last week. We, we talked about how I built this app in just a few days. And it was for Zmanim, the Jewish prayer times. Mm-hmm. And all right. So, you know, I said, I've got a little bit left on it. And then it's done. We should be up. Well, shame on me. I should have known every single time, 90% of the work is the last 10% of the app. It's crazy how that it's works. It's always true. Yeah. It's just always true. So it took me another week worth of work, and I've got it now up on the app store. Approved first time, straight through. Uh, it works. It's beautiful. I've sold a single copy of it, and I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. What's the purchase price on it? 199 US. Wow. What's the name of that one again? Zmanim Pro. Z-M-A-N-I-M. So the app is one of those things where I've got the very, very, very bare minimum in the app store and I've got a lot of improvement to do. I'm kind of happy with how it works and how it looks. And I also have a bunch of things in mind. I did want to share one design lesson learned that I was thinking, I was reflecting and, and thinking, what, what would I do differently? And of course, this app is not a designed app in any sense in, in that I just sort of made it up as I went along. Oh, that kind of looks good. I'll stick that there. I'll stick this there. There was no Figma file. There was no designer. It was all just me. And maybe this is something that's already obvious to the best designer in the room, Joshua Wald. But I found that on iOS, you really want to work in two layers. Right? So you have a background layer and you should you want one more layer on top of that. So your background and whatever chunk Maybe there's some padding before the before the edge. Maybe there's not. But when you add a third layer, the design gets really tricky. And if you go and look at all of Apple's apps and some of the best third-party SwiftUI native apps, you'll find it's the same thing. It's a background and one thing on top of it. And sometimes you have to find the background by like scrolling to the end of the list and really pulling up. And that's how the only way you see the background, but it's there. When Yeah, when you add that third layer... so. I've got in this app, there's there's a background and I've got like a little floating header that's part of, that's just sitting on top of the background. Then below that, I've got a list and the list has a slightly different background color to the lower layer below it. And then within that list, it's fine. I can put things, items directly into it. But then there's another section where I kind of wanted to put another widget, another view in, in Swift parlance to sit on top with its own background color to be distinct on top of that. And that's not working. I, I realize that's not working. You you really want to stick to the two-layer paradigm. Hopefully that makes sense. So is that um, how, Josh? Say again? Does that check out? <laughs> well, okay. What you're ta- describing is you've got the background of color or content, and then you're saying you're layering on top of that, the actual content area, the list, and then you're debating whether to layer on top of that something else outside of modals, right? Is that what you're describing? Yeah, that's what that's exactly what I mean. And I'm I'm not actually talking about content here. Text, it can sit, you know, it can float on 
on that background layer or on that second layer. I'm talking about items that have their own background, that are their own sort of layer in that they could have a shadow. You could imagine them having a shadow on top of the layer below mm. them. Not necessarily they do, but... I think I'm going to have to try out the app to see what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Designers are visual, visual people, I would imagine. Well, Josh, what are you <laughs> visualizing... <laughs> Is going to be your early Christmas this year. Nailed it, <laughs> nailed it. January, it's January. Early, like Christmas 2024? What are you getting? Do you mean like a late Christmas? Late Christmas? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out the wording later. So my company is going to <gasps> attempt no. to what? purchase really? a Vision Pro tomorrow no. morning. No. Yes! Way. <laughs> <laughs> and we're... we're Gonna try. So basically, my my colleague and myself are gonna have one to share between us in up here in Idaho because we both work in the same town. So we'll share it. And so he's getting up at four fifty five in the morning. He's got everything all ready to go. He wears glasses, so he's gonna get it for him first because it allows him to get the lenses built into the Vision Pro. And then we're gonna attempt to hope that the face shield works so that we can both share it. Right? I can pop the lenses out; they're magnetic, and I'll be able to use it without glasses. So we'll find out. At about 5.02 a.m. tomorrow morning, if we have gotten one, if he's been able to beat the rush. So we're very excited. We've been kind of chatting, like figuring out primarily right now for work, but also just to understand how this thing works, what we're going to do with it, what what apps we might be able to build for, for work. And I'm just... I'm holding, I'm crossing my fingers. We've got a couple hours to go to know if we'll actually get one on time or if we'll be backlogged because it could be, we might miss the line. We'll, we're going to try our absolute best. I'm, I'm very excited. I could not personally justify swinging the cost myself and Monica also was not thrilled about that. So we're going to wait, <laughs> but I will hopefully have one for work. So I'm very excited. Wow. That is unbelievable. I'm, I'm actually really excited to hear your experiences obviously all of the i've been following very closely all the early reviews i am a vr nut and i'm gonna have to come and try it i think oh that'd be awesome Ooh, yeah. trip up to yeah. the northwest i well if you make it up here i think luke would have no reason not to come up here for the yeah, weekend I, I would have to drive up for the weekend <laughs> so, let me know if you want to rock that we, we can work that out this is so cool. Yeah, Before this podcast, the, yeah. I had no idea I was even going to know somebody with a Vision Pro for at least another like two years. Here we are, man. What's it like to be famous? I don't, I don't know. Uh, so we we are hoping everything will work out, right? Like, because we might hit the backlog and it's six months till we actually get this thing. So we're hoping it'll be here. It'll be really interesting to see how that goes, right? That it's an expensive device yeah. and it's not for everyone. It is a bit of a dev kit. And so... Is it going to sell out in an hour or is it going, it's going to sell out, but is it going to sell out in an hour or is it going to sell out in a couple of days? Or I think we, I think it was on upgrade. I was listening this week. This is something that will sell out day of, but it's a question of, it could be actually five minutes, right? Because some other products sell out that quickly wow. because Mark Gurman's reporting or rumoring that there's only 80,000 units available for launch day. However, based on demand, they can pump out another 80,000 a couple weeks from now, right? So I think most people in tech are trying to get one. I, like, so I'm just thinking if there's 80,000 units of the podcasters I listen to, I probably know 20 of those units where they're going and hopefully one to my <laughs> work. <laughs> so we shall see. You're trying to account for every single Vision Pro. Make sure, make sure I'm on the yeah. list. And 
I, I'm just, I have so many questions about the experience. Even the way Apple is rolling this out, they're a little bit cagey about details, which has some people very skeptical, like, all right, how are certain things going to work? Or, do you really believe in this thing? And then on the other side, it's like, well, they can't possibly make up the amount of units that they would want. So why make a massive like keynote presentation for this for the for yeah. the world to see the people who are interested are finding out enough information now speaking of mark german he reported that there might be an international rollout before wwdc which i mean it would be just fantastic if it came to australia i just can't see it happening there's no way if they're that supply constrained why in the world would they possibly release to outside markets where they have to think about lens optics and all of the rest of it especially because it's a little bit of a health device you know i, I don't know it just seems like i think uh, not worth it the international all right yes there are constraints but it also is a four thousand dollar device so at some point there's only so many people who are springing budgets for it right now but if you think of developers in other countries uh, like just listening to some of the podcasts a few folks are planning to like overnight dhl from the united states to europe the the night of to get it right away or some are flying to america so there are people who want it so badly even if it was releasing a small amount to other countries i'm, I'm very curious what they'll do there Oh, I've no no doubt it would it would sell. I'm just saying I can't see how it would be worth it since they could move those headsets easily in the United States anyway. Yeah. I think the advantage would be you're getting ideas from around the globe and it's not just the US right away, right? Like that's a fantastic thing. Bottom line, mm. this is either going to be a fantastic dud or just the start of a new paradigm and I'm I'm here for it. I'm so excited. I've been here for it since what 20 18 or whenever that first Vive came out. I have been here for VR ever since then. And this is really something very, very, very different to that traditional VR that the VR industry has been pushing for so long. Apple's on, definitely on the outside of that. They, they famously don't even want to use the word AR, VR, XR, Spatial MR. Spatial computing. And that says a lot, but... I still think we're going to see some really interesting ties. I'm I'm really interested in the Fruit Ninja stuff, which, by the way, Fruit Ninja is a game developed in Brisbane, just down the road from me, and I've been to their offices. Whoa. They must have a Vision Pro. Maybe I should go knock on their door. And there's What the the Golf. Yep. These are what, in the VR world, we would call room-scale experiences. And in the keynote, there were no room-scale experiences on offer, right? Everything, I actually was a little disappointed that all of the windows were these flat 2D windows in the room around you. To me, that's not really spatial computing. To me, spatial computing isn't having a flat calendar on the wall. It's reimagining the calendar so that it's 3D, whatever that looks like. And so it's, it's really encouraging for me to see Apple talking about some of these spatial games that hopefully will be part of the Apple Arcade somehow. I imagine that they would want people to have a way to try it out. So I'd be curious if the lock it behind Apple Arcade, right? You've got this expensive new device and you want to quickly test out a few experiences. So maybe for the first year, it'll be included. I'm not sure what they're going to do. So crazy to think about. We Our whole lives are 2D. Like our whole, I mean, the bulk of our lives is on a computer anyways, and that's 100% 2D. Going 3D fully, I can't even imagine what that would look like yeah the calendar is not a great example because at the end of the day in the real world we manage our calendar in 
2D. Another indie dev was talking about the idea of a radio. Imagine a 3D radio on your desk, right? And you turn the little knobs and such instead of having a flat window. Like that, that's pretty cool. That's skeuomorphic in a fantastic way. For me, I would love to have a a, a timer because I use timers. I'd love to have it like as a physical thing that I roll over and it flips to a new timer. Like that'd be pretty cool to have where it's like a massive dice. And right now I'm on this timer. Things like that would be fun to play with. Imagine every app you owned was actually a teenage engineering designed little device. Oh, I, that would be cool. Like I want Overcast designed by teenage engineering. That's what I want. I was wanting I was on their website last week just seeing what could I buy from teenage engineering. And like everything is so expensive. Then I realized I should just buy a Playdate. If I want to try something they've made, I, I yep. really should just get a Playdate. But I have not yet. Uh, I can't quite justify it. But man, I just I love their designs. They're just such a fantastic team. I've never heard of Teenage Engineering before. I am on their website currently. They're a great. You're a musician. Physical I product know. Know design company. Yeah. Well, they make now I do. the the world's most hipster music sampler and the most hipster synthesizer. They make beautiful looking instruments that nobody really knows how to play properly. <laughs> I feel like I recognize, yeah, like their OP1 field, whatever that thing is, looks yeah, that's, familiar. Looks so pretty, doesn't hey, it? Hey, while we're on tangents, Google Podcast is going away. I just got an email. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, Great. One Google more thing podcast. for the graveyard. I, I didn't even know I was using that. Wow. Chop Google to bits. That's what I say. Google chops everything else to bits. Speaking of Google. Except for Google Docs, right? Yeah. <laughs> I honestly do love the Google Office Suite, though. So I, I Sheets. To, sheets over to, Excel any day. To your credit, Sadia, Google Docs sucks when I'm on my phone and I want to add something to our show notes throughout oh the week. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. when we're collaborating live, it's fantastic. But, man, Apple Notes is great for everything else. Well, this is why we don't have monopolies. Speaking of multiple options here, the next in the show notes, calendars. And we talked about calendars a little bit already, but what is this Hey calendar? Also, do people use Notion as a calendar? So both Hey, hey Hey.com, the team behind Basecamp, and Notion in the last week or so have released their standalone calendar applications to try and compete with Google Calendar, Apple Calendar. And I just want to throw this in, not as a full review of anything, but just an insight that we've had discussions about default apps and app categories that are so oversaturated. So to see two players try to bring new apps to a very saturated market, I think is interesting. I will say I got access to Hey Calendar and I don't get it. I, uh, <laughs> I've been using Hey Email now since beta and I still use it daily, but something about Hey Calendar feels very weird. And I know the Basecamp team prouds has pride in making weird cool products but it just feels half-baked like i don't know what to do with it i can't import i when i go to create on mobile i can't drag entries around when i go to add an entry and everything is center aligned down the middle all the the data around the entry it's just a very weird little app and when they released it they mentioned it cost millions of dollars and i can't help but think I think if we could build something like that, <laughs> like it doesn't seem that complicated. So I don't know. This is me kind of ragging on it at the moment. And I, I can't figure out how to get into my workflow because I love their calendar or I love their email app. And I was thinking, well, why I should be able to use their calendar. This could be fantastic. I, I'm not grokking it. So that's on Hey and then Notion. I haven't even tried, but it's just, 
noteworthy that they came out with the calendar. If it's anything like their app, I hope I never have to use it. Those are my thoughts on those two. (laughs) Ah, yes. The Notion calendar looks like an Apple calendar. Like, I I went to the homepage. It looks decent, right? Right off the bat, it looks decent. Yeah. And I'm, thanks to Sadia, I use Apple Calendar now every day. It is a good app, very well made. I have some complaints about it, but overall, I don't think anything's going to get me to switch away from Apple Calendar at this stage, especially since I got my wife on board with it. Like, that's a big deal once you have shared calendars with your spouse. Oh, man. I, I don't know how people possibly organize their lives without a shared calendar. I have a friend who she said that they have a calendar on the wall and she points to it and her husband uh, basically acts as if it doesn't exist and just goes about his day. <laughs> as he should. You guys need to get shared calendars on your phones. <laughs> well, how do you... So what's... My one beef with Apple what's Calendar the... is the... No, actually, go ahead. I'll come back. What's the core conceit with Hey Calendar? Like, I, I get the base camp guys and i don't know there's there's a lot of antagonism towards dhh and i'm not actually on that train but i do know that they like to say like they, they have this a whole approach of we do things differently right we approach work differently we are a fully distributed team we have this we we reject the notion of sprints and i i like all of that sort of thing and then they come out with an email app and it's fundamentally different. It's got this conceit that you should be able to have the most important emails at the top and other things just disappear through your backlog. And, and it makes a bunch of really big, bold decisions. And so what are those decisions with the calendar app? I watched the video and it didn't look that different I don't, from a regular calendar I app. don't get it, right? Because... Be, it's made such a difference in e- email for myself and for my wife, actually, where uh, she uses Hey, and for the first time in a decade, she now can actually go into her, e- her email and not ha- have a thousand spam messages, right? Or newsletters that mm-hmm. she's signed up to. I've actually, I helped her for a couple months just managing it and filtering stuff for her. So now when she opens it up, her email is functional to her. And Hey did that, right? So that right there is why I like Hey, and I haven't been able to replicate that with any other emails app. With the calendar, I, I don't know yet. Uh, that's why I was hoping to putz around. But the fact that I can't import entries yet, or I couldn't figure out how to import that, I'm not. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to make a hundred new entries. Maybe it's a fantastic app. I don't know yet. So that's me just kind of ragging early. <laughs> Literally, there's. I used Hey for quite a while, but I couldn't get past the misspelling of inbox to. In, with an <laughs> my in my brain doesn't even see it anymore. It's fine. It's so funny. Like literally, the second promo photo for the calendar has like this horizontal timeline, and they've put all the events like they've rotated the text by ninety degrees. It's so hard to read. Like that alone on the homepage, the second image. I'm like, yeah. Huh? I don't rotate text anymore. I stopped doing that once I became an adult. <laughs> Oh, my website rotates next. <laughs> Not in its default state. 90 degree rotation, I don't do anymore. <laughs> Maybe I lost all my uh, fun. Yeah, no. It's menacing. Oh, I just do a little a little bit rotation here and then. It doesn't hurt yeah. anybody. Well, okay, no, it's fine if it's like a tag. A few degrees like here, if it's a, but- a few degrees if, there. Like if it's a yes. keyword that says save or something. But like this is an entire event title and a time and i have to turn my head to read all the important you gotta, stuff you're gonna crook your neck yeah, yeah my brain can't just fill in the gaps like okay i know that's saying load or save or delete or whatever you know yeah now 
with all that said, I think it's fantastic to try out new apps, create new things, right? Like I love that they're they're taking big swings at something that's kind of an interesting category. And if I can figure out how it's better, but at this point, having just switched from Google Calendar to Apple Calendar, it's going to take a lot for me to consider going to something else. Mm. I when I left Hey, I set up my emails with Apple, like all through the iCloud personal domain stuff, and with using Apple Mail, and I set it up basically the same as Hey did it with automatic filtering and you know rules for this and that and the other and it all basically works. I think I have a fairly light inbox compared to most people, so I'm not a good example maybe, but I'm not really on board with the Hey email thing. And having said that, the Apple email client, the Apple Mail, it, it kind of does need a refresh. It does feel oh, a bit definitely. stale. And so my hope is that these apps like Hey and Hey Calendar and whatever Notion is doing, that they spur Apple on to try to improve their default clients. If that's my, that's, I mean, we're, we're too far out of WWDC to start a wish list, but when we do, I'm, I think that's going to be on it. I, if you just think about the work they've done on notes over the years, right? And then Freeform. These are some fantastic mm. Mac native apps that I use daily, and they're really good. So I'd love to see, and it's interesting, Mimestream, right? That was from one of the founders, early developers, or I don't know, someone who had a lot of sway on Apple Calendar. I think the fact that he left to go build another A one. Apple Mail. Uh, yeah. Apple Mail, thank you. I think the fact that he left, that shows that maybe there is some stagnation there, and I'd love to see it improve to the point that some of their other apps have and that I really love. Have you guys messed with the new journal app? Is that an iOS thing that popped yeah. on your guys' phones? Yeah. What's what's the deal with that? Do you guys have you guys messed with it at all? Adding to the agenda. So journal app. Uh, I've used journaling apps of various sorts and types. I've tried it many times, never stuck with it, and it all comes down to when you put in your inputs. Do you have? You think of the hooked model. Do you get anything back from that? And the short answer is no, unless you build into your own personal life some kind of cycle to go look at that again, to be energized from it. And day one, that's one of the most popular out there. I guess, disclaimer, I used to work at the company behind that. And yeah, great little app that I used for years as well. The journal app is trying something different. Most of them are based on every day you add a little entry and you just journal for yourself. Apple's take at the moment seems to be this block-based approach where you share a thought, then you share another thought, and they prompt you to sh based on different factors, and they're trying to learn a little bit to find ways to encourage you to add your notes, add your uh, audio or text notes. I think that's fantastic. I haven't found a way yet to incorporate it into my workflow, mainly because I haven't decided what I would get out of it yet. It's like one more thing to do in the day. I do a lot of things. I don't know if it's worth it yet. I really like it. I think it's the right approach to journaling. I don't like the amount of pressure that a journal app like Day One brings to daily habits. You know, I have a daily habit around Duolingo, and even that is a bit, you know, I hate the way that the Duo Owl gets angry at me <laughs> if I don't practice. And, and so I don't like that pressure, and that's why journaling has never worked for me. The daily habit thing, like Joshua said, I don't get that much out of journaling in the short term and so it's hard to establish a daily habit i feel like the designers behind the apple journal app said forget about daily habits what journaling should be about is annotating the big events in your life with how you felt at the time mm. and of course your phone's and a good window into that's, that 
all the stuff that's there. Exactly, yeah. So I don't have a habit about it. It's just, I mean, partially it's because I don't have any sort of infinite scroll apps on my phone and I can get bored sometimes. So if I'm putting the girls to bed or if I'm somewhere where I have nothing to do, I'll pull out the journal app and just it'll make suggestions oh this thing happened the other day oh yeah i'll click on it and i'll make 10 journal entries in a row each one dated with the time of the event not with the time that i'm journaling right and i think that that's that's a workflow that works really well for me so then and then of course it's probably just going to bring up little memories for you at random points down the road is that kind of how that works the the feedback cycle presumably i'd love it if it somehow were able to integrate with apple photos but the photo memories I just love, but that's never going to happen because journal entries are, by their very nature, private. Right. So I, I don't know how it's going to happen, but if it's something along the lines of the photo memories, then I'd be very happy with that. Well, I think it'd also be cool if it could have some kind of like smart AI where it reads your most recent journal entry. And then if you're like saying this happened today, I was super proud of this. And then it could be like, hey, look back here three months ago when you made this your goal or you like said that you wanted to get better at this. And now, you know, you can it gives you that point to see your progress. That would be really cool. That'd be really interesting. Also, my phone is able to speak in my voice, not as well as I'd like, but pretty well. That could be really interesting also. Wait, your phone can speak in your voice? Do you have like a custom Siri? What, what do you mean? Oh, you mean like it would type in your... Unpack that for me. <laughs> have you seen the... Have you not seen the Taika Waititi ad for, that Apple did? It's one of no, my favorite Apple ads. No. Taika Waititi is one of my favorite directors. So it... It was a confluence for me. No, Apple have an accessibility feature that will learn your voice. So it takes about, it took me about two hours to just sit with my phone and repeat all of these phrases, mm -hmm. right? Say this, and then I say it, say this, then I say it. And at the end of it, I've got this accessibility feature, which you can turn on in your accessibility settings, where you can select some text and have it read that text in your voice. It doesn't work with Siri. Siri is not in my voice. Gotcha. But I, yeah, I, I can get my phone to read things aloud in my voice. I'm like going down tangents and not doing well this uh, list here. But I love Luke with this New Year's energy, just like throwing <laughs> out all kinds of topics. That's great. <laughs> on the fly. Screw the topic list. Uh, what... What's the use case for that? Like, what's the accessibility use case for wanting something in your own voice? Is like, is there a disability that that's helpful for? Or the ad? I do remember now. It's it's worth watching. We'll put it into the show notes. It. it I don't want to spoil it. Well, unless Saudi has a thought. But there's just something about what if you lost your voice and you had a loved <laughs> one who wants to hear it. It's Aww. it's so good. That's fair, I guess. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll allow that. We only have a few, a couple more minutes here. Josh, which thing here on the list is the most uh, interesting? Let's, I'll fire through both of them really quick because I right. think they are, they're interesting to me. Cool. <laughs> which is why we have a podcast. Sweet. First one, Apple is has an anti-Syrian provision for developers, for, just for the audience, and I know both of you are familiar with this, that you may not link out, if you have a paid product, you may not link out to the web where someone could buy that product instead. They just, the U.S. Supreme Court decided not to take this case under consideration, which meant the lower court's case stands, which basically means Apple now will allow developers to have a link out to buy a subscription or buy a digital product on your website outside of the app in addition to your in-app purchase. However, the limitation is that you, they will still collect 27% of anything purchased outside of the app that linked from it. So for instance, if you have a $10 a month subscription for your app, 
through through Apple and you want to have a link to go get that outside, they're fine with it, but they'll still take a cut. So that kind of came out and that's what they've done in some other smaller countries. They've now done it in the US and it's probably not going to be worth the effort for the vast majority of developers. Yes, you get the data, you get people's emails, you get their credit cards, but if you're a small developer, you have to be open to Apple auditing you. You have to have your books all ready to go, mm. and you have the threat of them kicking you out of the App Store. So that's kind of a big deal after all these years of Epic Games with Fortnite trying to sue them. So we, I don't know, well, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen next with it. As far as my opinion, I don't have one yet. I have so many thoughts. I've been hearing people debate this for months now. Sadi, you look like you're going to say something. I don't think it's just small developers. I think it's any developer. There is no good reason to link someone outside of the App Store. The 27% just makes it, well, I may as well just stay in the App Store for an extra 3%. It's And and, and the beautiful thing about this is, is that people were making this comparison between Apple and payment providers, right? So they were saying, look, my Stripe fees are 2.6% or my bank fees, when I make a credit card transaction, they charge me 1.8% or whatever it is. And when I go with Apple, it's 30%. That's crazy. And what Apple is saying with, with this change is, yeah, we're, we were charging 3% for credit card fees. The other 27% was for being on the store in the first place, which we built. And that's the fee for being on our store, which we built with the customers that are using our phones. So it's our platform. That's the fee for using our platform. And the, and there's this implicit, we were charging you 3% for credit card fees, not 27%, not 30%. We're charging you 3% and the rest was just for being on the platform. I like it. I think it's a good move. I, I support it. I think Apple should be allowed to charge what they want. That's how capitalism works. All right. So I do have a take on this. Sort of. I I think that was a very clever move that's going to make them billions of dollars to like whatever lawyer came up with that's brilliant. Like, no, the 27% is for our platform, which kind of surprised a lot of people. Not John Gruber. He's been commenting on this for a long time. That did not surprise him at all. I... Think it was a little bit frustrating. This is not my original idea. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts this week. It's a little frustrating when the customers are paying for the phones to have apps on them. And so Apple's charging both ways. They're paying, charging the customers and they're charging the developers. With that said, I understand a platform charging uh, a gateway fee. That's fine. I think 27 is a lot. And I do wish there was some competitive way for that to come down. I don't know how that could happen. I wish it was 15% across the board there instead is. of 30 there is a competitive way. There's two things. You could start developing for Android, which I can tell you from experience not is not very nope. fun, right? Or or you could start using Android. Of course, like it, it does seem so impossible to us, but it is possible to build another phone. It's just that nobody's going to do that because the competitive landscape is such that nobody's going to win. Why is nobody going to win? Because Apple does such a good job and that's why they can afford to charge that much. If it was too much, then the proof of that is in other platforms doing well. I think that overall is a decent capitalistic take. However, when you... Def <laughs> we're at the end of our show here. I'm just thinking when you define something as a monopoly, it does take away choice at times. And that's where my debate is like, man, is there really a choice? I, I don't know if there is. I haven't heard a good argument from you yet, Joshua. <laughs> it's more a frustration, and I think that's acceptable. All right, I'm going to take this last one off. We'll, we'll, we'll move it to next week. <laughs> well, okay, okay, I guess we're done then. I, I'm so, now like, I'm, I'm kind of upset because I have so many thoughts about 
Well, this is this is go, not go a, on, Luke. Go yeah, on. go on. It's not a political podcast. It's not a political podcast. No, that's all right. It, we can be political. Right. Politics are good. I have politics. I'll tell Saudi's you politics are Australian. That's that's why it's safe. No one cares about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm full. Ca- like I, I love capitalism. I really do. I, but I also fully believe in antitrust and trust busting. And you, I just the golden yep. era of busting steel and busting railroads. It was like. You could say, yeah, it's too expensive. And if if you could say, if it were too expensive, the proof would be another railroad being built. But it's like, is someone really going to, no one's ever going to have the capital to build a second railroad or, you know, like it, I feel like Apple's almost to that point where they have like corner. But what the does Apple have a monopoly on? On what? Like they're, they're literally and not even it, like globally, they don't even have the biggest platform. It's all in how you define the monopoly, right? Yeah. I don't think they're there yet, but I, I feel like, you know, we're in the last five years, we've gotten to the point where we're saying it's not worth it to develop for Android at all, period. Like all the really good apps, they're all on Apple. So if that trend yes. continues pretty soon, like, you know, what if 90% of users all have iPhones and you can't ever get the Android store to the point where you're able to, you know, attract so, those more expensive. I've heard apps. a really good take on this that I agree with. There are companies that exist only because the platform exists. For instance, if I made an app I would have nothing without Apple. I sit on top of Apple and they deserve that. I think there are other companies that have fantastic products outside the space that Apple actually benefits by them existing and being able to link to them. So I just, I think 30% is a lot. And when you hear the reports of the early, like even Phil Schiller back in the day talking about, hey, should we even be charging this much? Why don't we charge less? I think it's now... The spirit of the fact that Apple in every area is taking as much as they can, and it's not back when Steve Jobs used to be around, it was like, hey, let's be innovative and make products, and let's not just try to get every penny out of everyone. percent isn't even a lot. It's not even a lot. It is a completely reasonable, reasonable price. If you think, like, yeah, they're doing the credit card processing, so that's 3% right there. But then also, they have all of the customer's information. They have their name. They have their address. The whole checkout process is a face ID, as opposed to having to put in my name, put in my address, put in my credit card number, hope I get it right, have all of that stored. Like, the amount of friction in that whole process that just gets removed completely then there's the whole discoverability side of things with the app store that's where people are looking for apps that belongs to apple and i want my apps in it and so like when you add up all of these things that you get from having your app on ios 30 percent, which is not that different from other platforms even outside of mobile like think gaming is eminently reasonable it is the default it is the standard it is i i with amber hour we we have the choice right we act this is a rare case where we have the choice because you could make a case that with amber hour you're redeeming credits for a physical product which makes you exempt from apple's rules around in-app purchases and in-app subscriptions or you could make the case that you're getting digital goods that are it's a it's a redemption token a, you know it's a digital good in that sense so i actually had the choice am i going to go with stripe or am i going to go with apple's subscription model and i chose the 30% because it was a better deal even outside of the app store even put all of the app store stuff away it's a better deal because for my customer to sign up they press one button, they face ID, 
and it's done. The other way means I have to manage their credit card subscription. I have to create a screen for them to put all of their credit card information in. I need to have an API that I send to Stripe and get a response back from. And I need to keep all of that those libraries up to date. And then the customer wants to change their information. I was able to entirely get rid of accounts from my, my app. I don't have any sign up, any passwords. That is pretty uh, nice. Right. Right? Yeah. But that would not be the case I almost if I had to go with Stripe. I almost agree with you on a lot of these points. If you had the ability to just link someone out to easily buy from your own site and run it through all that. Do you think Apple, or do you think they're inherently a better product than if it was truly competitive? That every app could just decide whether to send them out and not charge 27%, like they could recoup all that. Do you think Apple would still win on convenience? Yes. I think that's that has not existed until in theory now, and I don't know if they would win. It is a fantastic I experience. I think they would. I agree. It's fantastic. I don't know if it is competitive, though. I, I think they would most of the time win, but they shouldn't have to. They they have brought... It's not fair to for them to have to forego all of that investment that they've put into the f- platform, all of the discoverability for the app, all of the customers for the app, like it's not it's just not fair you shouldn't force apple to forego all of that i agree with you completely what that's going to do is that's going to make it so that people in the future don't want to develop new ideas because they'll think oh if we get big enough we're just going to be taken to court and eventually we'll all of that investment that we've put into it will be for nothing i think we're getting into the philosophical realm of of a lot of points you know i'm right i do (laughs) not accept that you're right but i accept you have some fantastic points (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I I would say, Saudi, that you're right. I, I just think that we're starting to see the beginning of what could become a rather large monopoly. I don't think we're there yet. And I think what they're doing right now is fair. Right. But we're getting close and, to what could be drastically and, unfair. But since I'm talking to someone reasonable here, Luke, then <laughs> I, can, I can tell you that I know you believe in capitalism. And so, therefore, you also believe that the market balances yeah. as, as one player becomes more dominant that's when the other players either start new things because all of a sudden the competitive landscape is possible that they can do that because someone's charging too much or the other players that the competitive players they all of a sudden get better or they start charging less and they attract more people back to them that's how it works well he who has capitalism it's fantastic when it's allowed to actually exist yeah. as its own without um, corporatism he who has much will be given more, and he who has little will have that taken away. I mean, like things just get bigger and bigger, and you know, the rich get richer. But at the same time, institutions do grow stale and crumble. So you, it's just what's going to happen this time. Who knows? Well, on that note, I got to get going to another appointment. But it was a pleasure talking with you both. Thank you to our listeners for being here with us, talking about tech and philosophy and the whole gambit. We would love to hear your d- opinion on if Apple needs to be busted and destroyed. And if they're being terrible money mongers, please send us an email to email at ultrapromax.fm. And also, do we have a second email? Sponsors at ultrapromax.fm? Are we getting sponsorships? We're open to it. We'd like to get sponsorships. Okay, send us an email to sponsors at ultrapromax.fm if you like what we're talking about. We would love to hear from you. All right, thank you guys both so much. Thank you to our listeners. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you.